this scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube streamed worship service from St Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia, on December 11th, 2022. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au. The Holy Gospel. Written in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 11, beginning at the, third, at the second verse. Glory to you, now, when John the Baptist heard from prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John, what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who, does, who takes no offence at me. And as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of woman, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Lord, we thank you for sending John the Baptist to prepare the way for the, for the world, for, for the Messiah's coming. Help us to recognise his presence with us and his coming again. Amen. Please be seated. How will we recognise Jesus? Will we recognise him? Do we recognise him in our daily lives? Are those Birkensteins he's wearing? I think the, um, those sandals? What size is his feet? How will we know him? We'll know him by the way he walks and talks. Each of us has a journey in life, and John the Baptist walked a life as a prophet, raised by God to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And he did that faithfully. And Jesus acknowledged him as being a great man. He warned people of our coming judgment and called them to repent in order to be ready for the coming one. So his was a baptism of repentance. And when Jesus came to him at the beginning of his ministry, John recognised him as the Lamb of God, as the Messiah. But now, years later, John, who expected Jesus to sort the nation out with some serious pruning and a winnowing fork, began to have doubts about Jesus. You see, he was suffering from being imprisoned for some time unjustly by Herod, and his expectations of the Messianic age were failing. Perhaps he was missing his diet, his morning breakfast of locust and honey. 
So John then sent out some disciples to ask Jesus directly if he was the one. And Jesus didn't answer directly about himself, but he pointed to the results of his ministry, that there had been a change. The kingdom of God was present. The blind received their sight, the lame walk, skin diseases are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And Jesus says, those taking no offense at him are indeed blessed. I wonder, was John on the brink of taking offense at Jesus for not doing what he expected him to do? Strangely, Jesus also describes John as the greatest man to have ever lived. Yet even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. What was that all about? John, out of delusionment, or disillusion, had perhaps he perhaps he'd taken offence at Jesus. Wasn't bringing the kingdom in the way that he expected. You see, John was of a mindset of and understanding that belonged to the time before Jesus, an old covenant of law, by which if you failed to repent your sin, judgment was due you. John had faithfully preached one thing in the lead-up to Jesus' ministry. He preached repentance. He expected the Messiah to further develop his work, transforming the world, correcting it. But Jesus was acting and speaking in quite unexpected ways. You see, there was no axe at the root of the tree that John had proclaimed and Isaiah had proclaimed earlier. There was no separating from wheat from chaff. There must be some mistake. For John and Jesus were as different as chalk and cheese. Whereas John threatened judgment, Jesus offered mercy. John insisted that people come and see him in the Jordan and the desert places. Jesus went seeking the lost. You see, John was hard-bodied, he was rigid, austere, unbending, puritanical, if you like. Not the sort of guy you'd expect to dance under a garden sprinkler. Unless, upon taking his sandals off, he found those bindi weeds that Dad didn't spray earlier on. Now we get a picture of John as being rather grumpy. And it wasn't just about his diet. He was calling people to take seriously sin and the failure of the nation to obey the laws of God. So he's calling them back to the law. He's demanded that they improve their standing before God by their own efforts. Whereas Jesus, on his appearing, offered people help. He encouraged people to walk with him in the new beginning of the kingdom, a kingdom of grace. Difference between BC and AD. Into the realm of mercy and forgiveness of help and love and setting the captives free. Something that we have received and rejoice in. I was speaking to one of our members earlier at morning tea, and it was a wonderful morning tea. And he said his life was overflowing with joy. And what do you know? He and his wife turn up and they're pouring water into the, into the uh, water jar of joy today. And he's singing in the choir today. That's us, a picture of us. Our lives are overflowing with joy, not just because we were married to a wonderful woman, 
but because Jesus has come and we know him. We're not waiting for him in fear, but we know him as our loving Lord and Saviour. Their message was the same. Jesus still called for repentance, but he took a further step embracing people who recognised and confessed their unworthiness by giving them grace and forgiveness. It pleases your Heavenly Father to give you the kingdom, he tells his hearers. Now, if John was the greatest man ever born of a woman, then Jesus' words seem rather strange, don't they? When he describes him as being well, outside the kingdom, that even the least in the kingdom of God was greater than John. You see, John belonged to an older covenant, whereas Jesus was bringing a new covenant of his blood. John was just a little, perhaps a little bit too early in time, and his attitudes were different from this coming kingdom, belonging to BC, not to the new thing that God was doing through his son, but the appearance of our Lord, the year of our Lord, A.D. But John rightly observed when Jesus appeared that he was indeed the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God was coming in a way that John didn't expect, in humility and suffering. John was expecting a blazing judgment, hellfire, but Jesus brought healing and acceptance to sinners, not condemnation. He welcomed them. He ate with them. He offered them living water. Now, I wonder if we examine ourselves, the way that we live our lives and we regard other people, do we belong to AD or B? Do we belong to BC or AD? Are we a people of the new kingdom? If we are people of the kingdom of God, then surely there is joy. Not only hope in Jesus returning, but peace that he is already with us. He is with us. And so it is up to us to perhaps improve the way we recognise him. Do we recognise him? And what will help us? Well, what will help us is, first of all, listening to the word of God. Asking for our hearts to be transformed, to be like Jesus to celebrate the kingdom of God that we've been born into through baptism, to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us in life so that we walk with Jesus. Walking and talking with Jesus, that's how we'll get to recognise him in this world. And then when he comes again in judgment, he will not only recognise us, but we will recognise him because we already know him. In his book to the church, James reminds us that, though, that we will, though all the world will surely all see Jesus when he returns in glory, our immediate task is to recognise him in the here and now, in the midst of our community, and in the needs of our friends and strangers. James says he will, that God will strengthen feeble hands that are willing to serve. He will make steady knees so that they don't give way but stand strong and firm with hearts free of fear. You see, waiting is hard and difficult, isn't it? If we're just waiting, looking up into the sky. 
But God doesn't want us to wait passively. We are to work with Jesus, who's present with us, to be active in serving and in loving and sharing the peace that we've been granted, sharing the joy and the hope that we have. Advent, the waiting of an Advent is an active waiting, as you've already shown your willingness to act, to be active in love and wait patiently, to stand firm, avoiding disharmony. For the Lord's coming is near. And I know as a community you've, you've embraced the opportunities to serve the wider community through the Christmas Angel Tree Project and through the big box of kindness and the many things that you do in your living. And you share your joy, the joy of singing the choir, the joy of even when you face an operation, knowing that God is with you. The joy and sadness, a mix of sadness and joy as we farewell friends who are going to go to South Australia. It's hard. It's hard as we wait and it's hard as we face different things in life to show joy. But Christ is with us and those that we love. Even those who are in danger of becoming crow eaters. James calls us not to fail, but to stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. You know how easy it would be for us to grumble in our waiting? Waiting is hard. Whether you're waiting a line or waiting for traffic lights, waiting for Christ to return, waiting for stage B development to happen, waiting for some of the other fruits that we dearly pray for and work for in this community through our ministry to bear fruit, to and to, in, in abundance. How hard it is to wait. And in waiting, there is a temptation for disharmony to creep in, out of frustration. We are fallen human beings. And being with Christ, he opens our eyes and our ears to those dangers. And we hear his voice, the voice that like John, cause us to repent. Let us repent our failings in our times of disunity, times when there's been a lack of love and patience. Let's be renewed in the light of his presence with us. The kingdom of God is at hand. So let's wait on the Lord with patience and goodwill. Let's seek the joy of the Lord in the unity of serving others with his grace, which the Spirit has already brought us. And the peace of God that passes all human understanding will be with us this Advent and every day of our lives. So peace, hope, peace, joy, and the love of God be with you always. Amen.